Matthew chapter 16. We'll start again in verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to preach your word. Lord, I thank you for this passage. God, I pray that you would help me, Lord, now as I preach. Build our faith, line upon line, precept upon precept. God, if we have built our expectations and our hopes on some imagination of our own heart, or some feeling that we have, and not on your word, I pray that you would rebuild that today on your truth. Please help me now as I speak. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus Christ is the rock upon which the church is built. That is the essence of this passage Jesus, when he's traveling with his disciples, as they're traveling and as they're going through life, if you want to talk about it and think of it that way, ask them this question. What do people say about me? Who do they believe that I am? And let me just mention this to the parents in the room, that many times the best way to teach others and teach your children is just as you're going through life. It's not just in a formal classroom setting. Jesus did not necessarily sit his disciples down and teach them in in a formal way. They didn't have books and papers. They were just traveling. They were having a conversation. And many times I find that when I get to spend individual time with my children or perhaps just me with both of my kids and my wife's at home. And as we're driving in the car, something will come up and I'll just begin to talk about whatever it may be, whether it's something directly related to Christianity or something else. And I'm teaching and explaining it to them. They listen very closely. And then when they get home, they'll tell my wife or maybe even the next day or the day after, or sometimes they'll just repeat something that I've said in one of these kind of informal uh, opportunities of teaching. And we can see that Jesus used that teaching technique. He never really wasted time. And so as a parenting thing, or if you're a teacher of others, try to seize on those moments of a teachable moment and say, hey, this is why we do this. Or, hey, let's have a conversation and let's ask. 
And they go down through, through this and they begin to explain in verse 14. Some say that they're John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah and others Jeremiah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And we spoke about last week that they were more comfortable. The lost world was more comfortable with Jesus being a, a, a person who had died and had come back to life, right? A resurrected prophet. They were more comfortable with that than of Jesus actually being the Christ, the son of the living God. And so we recognize in Christianity and at Sparrow Baptist Church, we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. He's not a prophet. He's not just a prophet. He's not just another prophet. He's not just another teacher of good things or just a good example He is God's son. He is deity and he is the Christ. He's the anointed of God, the chosen of God. Another one has not been chosen. He's not one of the ones who has been chosen. The Bible says in Acts that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If we're going to follow Christ, we have to recognize who he is. And really, when we believe on him, we have to recognize he's God's son. And if we're going to follow him, we're not going to follow him as just a prophet or as just a teacher or of somebody who's going to help me with my problems. Following him is recognizing he is God in the flesh. And that's what it means to be a Christian and to follow Christ. If we're only following him in terms of, well, he can help me out uh, and he can teach me some things and he can help me with some things or maybe he can answer my prayers, but we're not really putting him up in the proper place, we'll not follow him for long. We need to recognize him as being the Lord of our lives. So Simon Peter in verse 16 declares this incredible thing. Thou art the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus makes a statement in verse 17 that flesh and blood has not revealed it. Peter was not able to look at Jesus and say, oh, you're definitely the son of God. It wasn't the revelation or a recognition of how he looked or of what somebody had said, but rather it was a spiritual revelation that God himself had taught Simon Peter, listen, if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to be built in our faith, it's going to be because God himself is teaching us the truth. We have to be receptive to God teaching the truth. Well, pastor didn't. Well, pastor said this and pastor said that. And that's great. And we're going to get into the part uh, of, of, of the church where we talk about how there's pastors and there's teachers. But let me tell you something. It's not flesh and blood that builds our life. It's not just teachers and pastors, or it's not just the recognition of circumstances in our life. We have to be receptive to God himself, taking the truth from God's word and teaching it to us and making it real in a very uh, a personal way. Verse 18, he says, and I say also unto thee that thou art 
Peter. Now remember, Jesus, when he met Peter, renamed him as Peter. He, his name was Simon, and Jesus called him Simon Peter. He wanted him to be known as the rock, really the little rock, the stone. And then he says this, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock. And we can't see it here as much in English, but in the Greek, there's kind of a play on words here, right? So thou art Peter, thou art the little rock, but on this rock, on this giant rock, on this cliff, on this humongous rock, I will build my church. On what rock? Well, Jesus is the rock, right? Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He is going to build the church, not on Peter. He's the small rock. Aren't you thankful that the church is not built on us? And we're small. We're small rocks. Now we can be a rock, right? When, when Jesus met Peter, he said, I'm not going to look at you anymore in the way that I use and the way others used to look at you. I'm going to look at you uh, according to the potential that I see in you. But let me say that building your life is far more than just the journey of personal discovery. There's so many people, their entire life is, I want to find out who I am. Who am I really? How do I feel about this or that or another? Why do I feel about this, that or another? What is it about my past that makes me feel this way about this and that or another? And if we're not careful, our entire life will never be built, will never change, will never become stronger. Because listen, strength is not found in personal discovery. Strength is not found from personal discovery. And the true strength of the Christian is not found primarily in the way that Jesus looks at me. Personal discovery. This is who I am. This is my personality. These are my experiences. These are my likes and, and my dislikes. And this is the way I feel about this or that or another. Okay, that's fine. God made us a certain way. That's fantastic. And then when we're saved, God has saved us to be victorious Christians. And he saved us to live in the reality of the resurrection of Christ. He's changed us to be different. He's changed. He saved us to be, to be victorious, but that's not the end of the Christian life. That is not where we can build a life on personal discovery or even in God's viewpoint on me. Well, how does God look at me? And it's so important for us to see ourselves as saved sinners. Yes, that's important. But let me tell you something. We build a life on the big rock. That is the central focus of a life that is built. It's built upon the big rock of Jesus Christ. Because there are certain days that I don't feel like what God says that I am as a Christian. I, maybe I don't feel born again, or maybe I don't feel forgiven, or maybe I don't feel victorious, or maybe I don't feel like an overcomer, or maybe I don't feel like I'm one of God's children. Maybe I feel just indifferent, or maybe I've messed up, and I even can question the fact of whether or not I'm saved. And so it's not coming back to what does God say about me, 
It's coming back to what does God say about God? What does Christ say about Christ? We always start with who is Christ? Because Christ is the rock. Because Christ is the chosen of God. Because he is the anointed one. Because he is the prophesied one. Because he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Because he is who he is. He is the unmovable, unchangeable, almighty God. Somebody better say amen right there. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Because let me tell you something. Personal discovery, that is an endless cycle. I'm constantly changing. I'm growing older. Things change. The weather happens. And listen, you are not going to build a life sitting on your bed, sitting there thinking, why do I feel like this? There's a million reasons why. What did you eat last night? What entertainment have you been viewing? What friends have you just been talking to? How much have you been reading your Bible and praying? And the simple fact that, guys, we're fallen. We're sinners. We're broken. And our best day, we're just broken. And so many Christians say, you know what? I need to sing praise. I need to sing praise and I need to, and I need to start thinking of myself the way that God looks at me. And that's true and that's important, but that's not where we build a life. That's not how we build a church. It's singing about we are the redeemed. No, 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 no. There is a redeemer, name above all names. We just sung that together, right? The church is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, the other song says. And that's how we, that's the foundation of life. 1 Corinthians 3.11 For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What foundation are you trying to build it on? I'm trying to build a life and this is my foundation. It has to be Christ. It's so interesting that when he's talking to Peter, look, he's saying, what do other people say? It doesn't matter what other people say, but it's, it's important for us to know that sometimes so that we can defend it because sometimes what other people say can cause us to doubt. So Jesus is saying, listen, leaders of the church, what do other people say? Be aware of that. What do you say? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's so important. And, 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 and that's so true. It's not about what other people say. It's about that. And then, and then he says, Peter, now remember, I'm reminding you of who you are, but I'm reminding you primarily of who I am. And now I'm telling you that based on who I am, Jesus said, I will build my church. It's so important for us to understand that God builds us collectively. He doesn't build us individually outside away. He builds us when we gather. This is where we're built. My life's falling apart. How's your church attendance? People who are all caught up in personal discovery, how faithful are they to church? Man, that's an emotional roller coaster, is it not? You know, what's funny is a lot of times people who are the most intent on personal discovery are teenagers. I'm trying to find out who I am. Well, that's 
okay, that's fine, but your hormones are doing this and your body's changing every single day. And yet even in our uh, late teens and early 20s and mid 20s and late 20s, sometimes we can still kind of operate according to those same rules. You know what, you know what helps to even all that stuff out? Regular church attendance. It brings stability. It brings protection. We'll see this in just a moment. That's what he says. He says, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, in ancient times, when they talked about the gates, right? That was kind of like the way the courtroom was. Literally, the gates of the city originally that's where the wise men and the rulers of the city would sit there. And, 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 and it would be like a large, ornate kind of a place, but it would be right there at the gates of the city. So, um, and so when it's talking about the gates of hell will not prevail against, it's talking about the councils of hell and the tactics of hell and the decision of hell will not prevail against the church. It doesn't say that the gates of hell will not prevail against the individual Christian. That's not the promise. The promise is the gates of hell will not prevail against the church as long as we are built upon the rock of Christ. Brother, on Sunday, why do you always preach on Jesus? Because the church is built on Christ. It's not built on on, on personal discovery. It's not built on just primarily, okay, who am I as a Christian and how should I be? That's what continue class is for. That's what Wednesday night is for, is for us to kind of delve into these other topics. And that's perfectly fine. And we're going to do that. We're going to preach the whole counsel of God here at Sparrow Baptist Church. And it will tell you the truth about self-discovery and the, and, 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 and the word of God. It, it, it will tell you the truth of who you are in Christ and how to live the victorious Christian life. But on Sunday mornings, by the grace of God, the church will always be built on Jesus Christ. That's why we sing about him. That's why we pray to him. That's why we praise him and worship him and talk about him. Because lives are built and the church collective is built by looking to who Christ is first. The focus is not me. As the pastor, the focus is not you and your problems. The focus is not on your past. The focus is not on your victories. The focus is not on your experience as a Christian. There are some people that are so caught up in their experience as a Christian. Well, actually, you know, I kind of grew up and I know this and I've been had that training. And that's fantastic. And that's amazing. But you know what Jesus was doing here <laughs> with Peter? He was putting him in his place. And you know what we need at church is for God in our heart to put us in our place. Boy, that's good right there. It's not for me to do that. It's not for you to do that per se. It's for the Lord himself to say, listen, I know you and I know your experience and I know what God has revealed to you in the past and I know your stages of growth and, and, and I know where you come from and your past and your self-discovery and I know what I've done for you. But let me tell you something. Listen, Peter. <laughs> listen, Peter. 
You're going to have great things ahead of you. You're, you're, you're going to do great things for me in the future. But let me tell you something, Peter. It's not built on you. And it's not built on the discoveries that you've made and the things that you've learned. It's built on Jesus Christ. It's built on this rock. And I will build, I will build your life on this rock. Listen, guys, we've got to keep him first. We've got to lift him up. He's the chosen one, not me and not you. The church is not the chosen one. You see, that's the mistake the Catholic Church makes. Doctrinally and in practice, what has been chosen to offer salvation? The church has been chosen. And they take this passage and they twist that. And that's not what it's saying. Christ is the one that saves. Christ is the one to be lifted up. Amen. Amen. We got to keep him first. Well, it doesn't seem, listen, it doesn't seem like God's building my life. It doesn't seem like he's building me. Okay, what, what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your ties to the church? How tied are you to his church? It seems like the devil's prevailing against me. Remember, the promise of the gates of hell not prevailing is not for the Christian. It's for the church. So that, what does that mean? That means I better get in. It means I better get in as much as I can possibly get in. My pastor used to always say, get plugged in. That was his way of saying it. You guys ever tried to charge your phone and you leave it all night? You wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm expecting a full battery. I've got a busy day today. My phone better work. You're completely expecting it. It's happened to me with my iPad before too. And you look at it and it's like 3%. What? It was plugged in, it just wasn't plugged in all the way. It wasn't plugged in enough to get the power. It was just plugged in enough to have the appearance of being plugged in. Let me ask you something. Are you plugged in enough to God's institution that you're getting the power to build a life of victory? Or are you just plugged in enough to have the appearance? Brother, this is heavy. Look, I don't want a life that's been ravaged by Satan. I don't want to have a life where I'm trying to build, but Satan is just easily tearing it down. Isn't that frustrating? It's like three steps forward, two steps back. Three steps forward, three steps back. Three steps forward, four steps back. But in Christ, if he says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, I need to be in the church. Oh, does that mean that church members and that, and that people faithful to church never have anything bad happen to them? No, that's not what it means. But it does mean that they're built upon the solid rock and they're keeping Christ number one. He's number one. It's not about the church being number one. Oh, I can't believe that you choose the church over me. I'm not choosing the church over you. I'm choosing Christ over you. He is my God. He's number one. And I'm going to choose him number one every time over anybody else. And if I don't, then he's not really number one. That's what he's saying. Peter, I'm the rock. Build your life on me. We can see here a promise of his presence. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. You know what we get to experience here in the church in a way unique that we don't get to experience? 
in our own homes. Now, this sermon is certainly not talking about personal devotions are not necessary. That's not what we're talking about. We know that we have to personally accept Christ as our Savior, and we need to personally spend time with him. That is absolutely a biblical truth. But the the point of this message is we're talking about the collective sense. And when we come together in a collective sense, and we come together as a church, we can expect the promise of his presence. Jesus goes to great lengths to provide his presence for us. That's really why he died on the cross, to save us from our sins. But really the thing that Jesus was really excited about was being with us. John 14 and verse 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Listen, Jesus didn't just die on the cross and then rise from the dead and then 40 days later ascend into heaven to leave us alone. No, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. I am going to dwell with you and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you individually as a Christian. Each Christian has the Spirit of God inside. The Bible says that if we have not the Spirit, then we're none of his, right? So if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. But why don't we get to experience his presence all the time? Well, because we get to experience that in a greater way when we come and gather together. That's what he's saying. He says, I will build my church. I will build it. He says, I will personally. I will personally, with my presence, build the church. Hebrews 13 and verse five, let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and eight, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Even in the recording of the great commission, the five times that Jesus gave out the Great Commission. He talks about his presence. It says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Listen, in order to build a life, we need the presence of God. We're not making this thing. We're not pretending. It's his presence that does it. It's him being here. Listen, It's not about feeling, but when a person is here, you feel their presence. There is a difference when his presence is here and when it's not. Did you feel his presence when we were singing in worship? I did. I did. Well, I I haven't. Well, ask him to help you with that. Man, one of the reasons why I love to sing and worship to the Lord is because I can feel his presence I'm not alone. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I want to know that I'm not alone, that I'm not dealing with these lives. Listen, you're not responsible for building your life by yourself. He says, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'll build it. Let me build it. Listen, if I have the difference between a skilled contractor building something or me trying to figure it out on YouTube, I'd be like, you do it. 
Hmm? You with me on that? You do it. I mean, if I have the choice. Why do we take it upon ourselves to build our own lives? I've got this problem. I've got this thing. I don't know how to deal with it. Are you trying to do it yourself? Well, I've got this big financial problem, so I can't come to church on Sunday. So you're saying that it's better for you to build your own life and get your own self out of your own financial problems than for you to honor the Lord and keep him first and let him help you. No, I'm not saying that. But that's what we are saying with our, with our actions. I will build my church. I'll build it. If there's anybody that knows how to build a life, surely it's him. And people go back and say, well, Jesus was a carpenter. Let me tell you something. That's got nothing to do with it. Jesus invented wood. He's the creator of the world. He's the one that created us human beings. Amen. If there's anybody that knows how to build, it's him. If there's anybody that is trustworthy to build, it's him. Promise of construction. He says in in, uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now we're going to be talking about this next month. This is the Great Commission. This is our job. Okay? To teach others to find Jesus and teach them to follow Jesus. But he doesn't stop. All power is given unto me. Well, where's he at? He's in heaven. Then he says what? Go out into into every nation and make disciples. That's what he says. Right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Okay? Save, baptize. Then he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's this. Teach them the whole counsel of the word of God. Teach them to build their life on me. But he doesn't stop the Great Commission right there. He doesn't just say, okay, I've given you the instructions. Now go out and do it. Figure it out. He doesn't do that to us. Thank God he doesn't do that to us. He says, and lo, I am with you always. I'm with you always. Even unto the end of the world, amen. That is both travel into the world. We talk about travel. There's nowhere on this planet you can go where he's not there helping you to obey him and helping you and building you. There's nowhere. Thank God. Missionaries love that verse. Next, okay, even unto the end of the world could possibly construed as the end of the world. The time, the time has come where the world is over. Well, it's different now in these days. And so Christianity is different. It's more of an archaic thing. No, 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 no. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is present yesterday, today, and forever, even unto the end of the age, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Man, Sundays are so good. It's so good. I love coming to church and praising the Lord and hearing the message and seeing the fellowship. But man, Monday, it just seems like God's not there. That's a lie. If he's going to be there for you to the end of the age, he can be there for you through the end of Sunday and into Monday. Man, that's good. I like that. Monday's coming, bro. I'm teaching at the college. You guys pray for me. Man, I need your help when I teach at the college. He's in my class. I'm just, I'm giving him a hard time. 
right? We need him for Monday too and Tuesday. Man, Wednesday's tough to get to. I, I just, I can't, man, I wish I could kind of scoop up what God gives me on Sunday and carry it into Wednesday. Well, that's true. You can to a degree, but let, let me tell you something. Let me, let me help you with the truth. He's there, he's there with you on Wednesday at three or four when you're thinking about, man, should I go or should I not go? I'll be with you always, my brother. I love it. Praise the Lord. Mark 16, 19 and 20. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Mark 16, 19. Mark 16, verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. They went forth. They were obedient. They believed. They trusted. But aren't you thankful that it continues on and it says the Lord working with them. You see the fulfillment of the promise of back in Matthew 16 where he says, I'll build my church. I'll build my church. Yeah, Jesus says, I know I'm going up into heaven, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. My word is here. The spirit of God is going to be here. And if you're obedient and you're building on the foundation of that rock, that great truth, that Christ is the rock, he's the one that's first. He's the one to be worshiped and looked to. It's because of him that we can find who we are in Christ. And personal discovery doesn't end up chewing up all of our time in confusion and frustration. Hmm? Or even further down to what everybody else is thinking about Jesus. No, no. Look up. I'm the rock. I'm the big rock, he says. And, and, and I will build. I will build my church, he says. And if we're faithful to church and we're a part of the church, then that means you. He's going to build your life. You know, something that's interesting about building, and I know very little about building. I've been involved in building projects, but I'm not a builder per se. We have some builders in the room. We can, we can ask them questions later. But the thing about building is it's messy, isn't it? Amen? You ever had to do a building project in your house? It doesn't matter if it's the tiniest thing. It's always messier than you think it's going to be. Even if you're the most experienced, the most careful, and you put down all the drop cloths and you do the thing and cover all the furniture, look, it's going to be messy. It's a bit uncomfortable. It's like, man, I just wish that would be done. I just wish we could get this over with. And then you call up the builder, hey! This is more expensive than I thought. Amen. Right? Hey, I thought this, I thought, hey, what about the timeline here? I thought this was supposed to be over. Builders shouldn't get to take vacations. I'm teasing. Right? Look, come into church. Guys, listen, when Jesus builds us in his church, don't think that it's not going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Amen. I don't know about going to church. It kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. Uh, How about we flip that coin on the other side and say, that's the feeling of Jesus building you. 
that's good right there. Uncomfortable. I don't know about that preacher. He always just, man, he's just preaching the Bible and it's just, I wish he would just say nice things all the time. Oh, so all you want is to taste candy, but get the nutrients of vegetables? Doesn't exist. So you want to live in your house the way it's always been, but you also want it to be different and you want it to be new and fresh. Doesn't exist. I want to be in a new place, but I don't want to have to move. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Listen, if you want God to build your life, you have to understand that he is going to make you feel uncomfortable sometimes. That is the feeling of growth, my friend. That's the feeling of growth. That's him keeping his promise. I don't, I'm not interested in going to a church where they don't keep him high and lifted up and they look to him and they're more, and listen, and they're more intent on helping you with personal discovery. And every sermon is just, a, uh, is just, is just feelings and let's talk about our feelings and let's discover ourselves. Hey, the church is not started for us to discover ourselves. It's for us to discover him. And when we discover him and we get close to him and we get close to him, it's uncomfortable because he's God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Man, it takes some, listen, sometimes it's like that castor oil or that, that, uh, oh, what's that nasty cough syrup they sell here in Canada? Buck, oh my goodness. Help us all. Guys, listen, we have to accept the fact that if we're going to grow and if God's going to build us into something that's more stable and more solid and a faith that's actually going to do the thing it's supposed to do and endure the storms of life and get through this thing and not just mangled, but built. Sometimes it's going to be like, man, that's just uncomfortable. It's like Buckley's just, oh, <laughs> Brings tears to the eyes. You cough and sputter. Right? But you know, you know you gotta. Sometimes the services are going to be like that. Sometimes like today, thank God you guys are here. This is awesome. You're going to wake up and you're like, cloudy, really? I don't want to go to church when it's cloudy. I want to sleep when it's cloudy. What do we want to do when it's sunny? We want to play. Man, I don't know about going to church on a sunny day. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's 20 degrees, maybe 17, and you feel the warmth of the sun and the cool of the air, and, and there's, there's this thing going on in Toronto, and, and finally they got things coming back. And look, listen, friend, if you want to build your life, you've got to show up. You've got to show up. You've got to show up when it's uncomfortable. You've got to show up when it's messy. You gotta show up when you feel like it. You gotta show up when you don't feel like it. Why? Because I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I am counting on him, on his promise that he's gonna build me. His presence is there, his power is there. But let me tell you something, and we'll get into this next week, Lord willing. His protection is there. I don't want, listen, I do not want to go through difficulties in life, knowing that it's my fault. The devil's got me on this one, and it's the consequences of my own actions. Now, we all, every one of us, have to deal with consequences of our own actions. 
And anybody that tells you different is selling something. Amen. But from this day forward, if I'm a part of the church of God, God promises me that he will protect me. The promise of protection is not just to the individual Christian that chooses to find spirituality in their own way. It's to the ones who choose to grow up and be built in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He did not promise that to Peter himself individually. He's teaching Peter, Peter, you've got spiritual insight here, buddy. You just blurted out something that God himself has revealed to you. But protection from Satan is not through personal spiritual insights by yourself off in your room. It's found in the church. Peter, don't think that because you've had this incredible revelation from God that that the church is unnecessary for you. The opposite is true. The opposite's true. Protection is in the church. Or does that mean bad things won't happen? No, 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 no. It means that when bad things happen and you come to church, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. The counsels of hell. Say, listen, in every problem, in every problem that happens to the Christian, God has a plan and Satan has a plan. Can we agree on that? And everything that you're going through in your life right now, everything, every emotion, every, every problem, every worry about the future, every difficulty for those of us who are parents and going through things with our kids, Satan has a plan. He has a will for your life. And so does God. And if you do not choose to come to church by default, by neglect, whose will are you turning yourself over to? I'm doing what I want. Yeah, that's, that's like one of the best lies Satan ever came up with. You're really doing what he wants. Because you may feel like you're doing what you want for today, but Satan has got a plan and a scheme and a temptation and a counsel and a tactic. And it's all written out and he's got 35 days from now, this is the temptation I'm gonna hit him with And 35 days before that, I'm going to make them think like they're actually doing their own thing and they're not going to church anymore. And they're out. Hey, we got a sheep that's out. They're out. Hey, they're out. (laughs) We got them. They're out. They're alone. We got them. And yet Jesus died and his blood was shed on the cross and he rose from the grave to turn us over into victory and live the victorious Christian life that we can do the will of the Father so that we can do the incredible, victorious, noble, righteous thing. And not that life is perfect, but there's victory attached to every single. There's a reason. There's strength. There's growth. Hey, 
There's building to every time the sledgehammer comes through that wall. There's a reason why it's happening. It's not just for the pleasure of the pure mayhem of it to sit there and live in ashes and to sit there and live in depression and to sit there and live in overwhelmed. And he's, and he's given us a place. He's given us a group. He's given us a church. He's given us protection and power and his presence. And when the child of God says, yeah, no thanks. Satan's like, yes. Yes. You think the politicians are evil? Everybody always thinks that. You ain't seen nothing on what Satan wants to do with your life. He is the father of lies. And aren't you thankful that to get the protection against Satan, God makes it easy. You don't, have to, you don't have to fly to Israel. You don't have to go to the Wailing Wall. You don't have to wear certain special clothes. You don't, you don't have to spend exorbitant amounts of money on some uh, uh, relic or something. And he doesn't, listen, in order to get protection from Satan, you, you, don't, you don't have to live this, this, this incredibly crazy disciplined life of, of celibacy off in the mountains. So, no, 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 no. He's like, look, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to church and I need you to worship me. And I need you to realize that self-discovery falls underneath keeping me up. And that growth in the Christian life and all your experience and, 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 and all the great spiritual truths you're going to be taught and realizing who you are in me, that's secondary compared to keeping me high and lifted up. And what everybody else is saying about me and Jeremiah and I'm Elias and maybe John the Baptist come back to life and all that stuff, yeah, it's, it's not going to mess with your faith if you come to church and keep me high and lifted up. That's how good he is. Pastor, why'd you become a pastor? Why'd you become a missionary? Why did you decide out of all of the people who have grown up in church that have thrown away the foundation that their parents have given them and the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that parents have spent on Christian education and protecting you from the world? Why didn't you run back into it like all of your friends? Because I was just dumb enough to keep coming to church. Not dumb enough. It was my habit. I kept doing it. And at key moments in my life, when I needed his wisdom, and I needed his insight, and I needed protection, and I needed power when I needed his presence. I was in the place where those things were provided. And God gave me exactly what I needed when I needed it. You cannot find that in your room. You can't find that at the job site. You can't find that in self-discovery. You can't find that in examining what everybody else thinks about Jesus. You can't even find that and build that upon the past experiences that you may have had in your life. You find that at church when he's high and lifted up, a humble heart. And you look at him for who he is. And you let his power flow over you. 
and the truth of his word and his presence and his protection. And he gives you what you need the moment you need it. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.